Today is Thursday, February 4th, and you are listening to Make It So. I'm Neil Timmons, and this week we're talking about the second challenge, the Mission Mission, on the Make It So competition. The entries have been up for less than 12 hours, but that's not going to stop us from giving you our first impressions. We're going to tell you what we think of what the four teams have put together. Stay tuned, it's coming right up. Well, all right. After a week of furious work on behalf of our four teams, we have their entries for the Mission Mission. As a reminder, last week we eliminated one person from each of the Cardassian and the Klingon teams. So we have the Bajorans with five versus the Cardassians with four. And likewise, we have the Klingons with four versus the Romulans with five members each. And with us today is the guest judge for this competition, Mr. Matt Kirk. Welcome, Matt. Hello. Today, we just want to give you our first impressions on the cards, starting with the Bajoran team. The first thing that was interesting that popped out at me looking at the Bajoran team's entries, obviously was going to be their affiliations uh, as far as missions go. It looks like they picked Cardassian, the Space Nine Earth, uh, Ferengi, uh, Romulans, Starfleet, and also Tarak Nor. Cardi mission, pretty solid. A good second mission. It's going to be worth five extra points while you have a captive. It was interesting to see not only the affiliations uh, that they chose, but also the episodes, the stories that they took the missions from. With the Bajorans, they took um, Saltus III, um, the Chain of Command, Gold Madrid, Torturing Picard episode, and made it into a mission that you get five extra points while well, you have a captive. Looks like their DS9 Earth mission it focuses on uh, retaking DS9 from uh, Sacrifice of Angels. Looks like the Ferengi are going to go save Moogie, which is amusing. Tarak Nor is taking down the minefield. Starfleet is stopping the cybernetic aliens, a.k.a. Borg. And the Romulan mission going back to original series for uh, Karras and crew aboard the Galgathong and uh, testing Federation resolve in the neutral zone. So good stuff. Good stuff on the drone so far. When I look at the missions, the first thing that I look at on a mission is the, the attribute requirement versus the value of the mission. And it looks like the Bajorans have kind of hit the curve pretty well, with the exception of the mouth of the wormhole. But the, the one big thing I see is on the Cardassian mission, while you have a captive, it's worded so, such that the mission is actually worth 40 points. So all of a sudden you have a 40-point mission that is pretty easy for the Cardassians, but you can use all, all the, the the tricks that affect missions that are worth 40 or more points. 
I don't know if that was intentional, but that's that's kind of neat, especially since it's a planet mission. So it should be your it should be a second mission or a third mission that you're attempting to do. I really like the theme of the, the stopping the cybernetic aliens. When 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 watching those episodes in in the Enterprise series, it was a lot of fun to see how they were going to work that into the storyline. Very exciting to see Balance of Terror with the Romulans. Well, Matt, what do you think about Negotiate Prisoner Exchange? The first thing that jumps out at me for the ability, uh, it's phrased the same way as Brute Force, where you get a bonus if uh, your people attempting it, your personnel completing it are all the same, well, in this case, species. You get an extra an extra carrot on the end of it. 30 points for 34 cunning. Might be a little low, but the benefit of getting an extra extra body after you complete it. Keep moving on. I like that a lot. Um, skills are right up the alley of the of the Ferengi. Uh, the only thing that I'm a little disappointed with this mission is that you can't actually put a cargo run on it because it's not a space mission. That blows my mind that they're on a space station in the middle of nowhere and it's a planet mission? Yeah, and the other thing is we wanted some ways to help these affiliations and in the current meta, one of the one of the bits of subtext for this challenge was how do we help these decks against speed decks? Because that's the prevalent decks that are winning. And as a planet mission, this this doesn't work as well. If it was space, I'd be all over it and happy because you've got uh, decent skills, good first mission reward of getting a free person and keep keep on moving. But as a planet mission, it's just kind of blah. I, I, I don't know I don't know why I would play this one over like Carter Rendezvous or even Quailer uh, 2 Rendezvous. The meta could shift again, too. And in six months, we could all be doing planets first, and then this gets a whole lot better. But what what really blows my mind, they're on a space station. Yeah, but they're walking around with phasers, trying to do things that involve walking around on a planet. Except they're not on a planet, they're on a space station. All right. There. There's three feet of... Deutanium bulkhead between me and a horrible death. Alright, that's a space mission. And if we compare them to missions in the game, why would we do this mission over expend business opportunities? It's on Mpoknor, isn't it? Isn't that what they're targeting? Right. That's yes. the on it. Aren't there multiple missions that happened on there? I mean, by making it the way they made it, without a region keyword or without a subtitle, you can't make a mission about Dukat and his Pirates called. And you can't make a mission about Garrick and O'Brien and Nog going to scavenge parts. Let's switch over to Mouth of the Wormhole. Let's talk about that mission. Wow. It's got a lot going on. Um, it does. They needed to put the region major system keyword on there, which ate up a lot of acreage. It doesn't have any lore because it's got three different things that it does, which I'm not entirely thrilled with. They they recognize the fact that there were several people that have you may play this personnel at Mouth of the Wormhole, so that necessitated their first restriction that uh, disables that, so good move. A baseline plus one attributes to DS9 cards really just be dealing with the fed DS9ers, or I suppose you could be dealing with the with Bajor. So you get you get either half unless you risk the double head. So I see the mission and it looks to me like the attribute requirement is not high enough. 
the balance doesn't seem to be quite there with the attribute requirement being 40 and the points of the mission with 45. And that in itself I could probably get over, but finishing the mission and granting a blanket plus one to your DS9 personnel while being at a span one mission, that seems to me to be a little bit over the top. I think because of the attributes plus one, even though it's got the tough requirement of meeting a specific person, I, I think you might be right that this might be just a little, a little too strong right now. I have a couple of fundamental problems with this mission that are mostly related to the story that they picked. I don't think making it Mouth of the Wormhole is a good idea. They did at least recognize the fact that there are personnel that say they report to Mouth of the Wormhole and prevented that. But the side effect of preventing that is you, you've disabled uh, warp speed transfer from working. I can't use androids because I couldn't play them to the ship. They, they technically fixed it from being a rules nightmare, but it broke certain other deck types. Second of all, they're talking about having an image of the Federation ships fighting the Dominion ships. But the big battle when the Federation came and got it was like five sectors over. They're trying to shoehorn a mission that shouldn't be at Deep Space Nine into Deep Space Nine just so that they can't use Mouth of the Wormhole to do it. I, I don't know. I, I There's a certain logic to it that I don't entirely disagree with. Um, I like the fact that to get the most... Uh, benefit out of the attributes plus one text, you would have to play double headquarters, which would again certainly you know higher risk, higher reward. Yeah, but we're talking about a forty-five point mission. So if you're going to do this mission, you're intending to only do two missions, or at least I would only intend to do two missions. Here's my third problem with it, and it's a lot more subtle. Putting this mission in a deck enables travel to the Gamma Quadrant, just like the Mouth of the Wormhole headquarters does, which wants me to go out and do a Gamma Quadrant deck. But the Deep Space Nine people already have cards that reward them for doing the Gamma Quadrant stuff, specifically that the one Defiant. But simply including this mission in my deck means I can't use that Defiant because now I only have three Gamma Quadrant missions. So they're trying to make it enable you to go to the Gamma Quadrant, but I can't use the Defiant, which is the main reason to do DS9 in Gamma Quadrant missions. I don't see that as a carrot to go to... I mean, obviously it's a if you have this in there, it'd be, it'd be silly not to at least put one 40-point planet Gamma Quadrant mission in there so you can have a chance to do a two-mission win. But do I see it as as a, as a carrot or, or more of just a, a sticking with precedent? I, I think it's more sticking with precedent than, a, than the actual intention of that this is how you build your deck. Another, another subtle detail of this mission along those same lines um, as the unintended carrot to Gamma Quadrant is, is the Span 1. And again, it's one of those, it's not, it wasn't intended as this is a carrot for this mission, it was simply the reprint of what was on the original headquarters mission. But, as Span 1, that means if I play DS9 Earth, and I can get uh, Sideways Enterprise over there, I'm going back and forth for two. Stupid good. And uh, the Span... As I said in the second episode of the podcast, Span is really, really tricky as far as getting it to feel right. A, a Span 2 mission probably would have made a little, or even a Span 3 mission, since they're having to fight through all the, the Dominion warships to get there in the first place. But Span 1, 45 points, a little too good. I, I think Span is, is a huge benefit when we're talking about the power of a mission. And I think dropping a span from two down to one 
makes the mission need to be either worth more or it just makes the mission a better mission. I understand that they were trying to copy the text on Mount Wormhole and turn it into the space station, but I still think for 45 points, a span one mission with a fantastic ability with an attribute requirement of only 40 is above the power curve. I think it's almost the quintessential example of a good idea that they tried way too hard to shoehorn story on it instead of it making it a good card. And this this demonstrates the difference between a powerful card and a good card. Because this is definitely a powerful card. This is not a good card because there's, it's way too good. It's, it's way too powerful, I should say. All right, let's move over from the Bajorans to their opponents for the first round, the Cardassians. I, I like the balance of the Cardassian cards. I, I like looking at the the, the different uh, abilities that, that you see on each of the cards. The, the abilities seem to be not necessarily all that powerful, but definitely fun and unique. I enjoyed seeing a, a Romulan or a, a Tarak Nor mission that that is only worth 25 points. That, that's kind of neat, and and but helps you with dilemmas. And I enjoyed seeing the Romulan mission. That lets you go through an opponent's hand. It's like a poor man's far seeing eyes. You really like the fact that Cardis and Dominion also get access to this, but only Romulans get the carrot. Um, and it's a pretty good one. I tend to agree as far as the, I like the source materials they pulled from. There were a couple cards that I wasn't quite sure what they were talking about. Their, their intended Cardi helper mission is, they didn't get the Cardi icon and just got it. Everybody can try it, and it lets people capture instead of getting people killed, and it's kind of all over the place. Uh, one problem for their uh, the Ferengi mission, they came up with a, a Ferengi mission from Alpha Wormhole, but they did not include the you may not place or play people here, so you, it's a space mission. So you can still have Vigil Otner out there you know, floating in space. But I actually really like this card, because it doesn't seem to be out of balance. And it doesn't help other factions. It is most definitely a Ferengi mission. For acquisition and another uh, team will be relatively difficult. But then even if you manage to do that, without any kind of a benefit for Angadar, to complete a cunning greater than 40 mission for only 35 points is difficult. So it definitely does set itself apart as a very Ferengi mission. And I wouldn't have a problem with people uh, being able to place personnel or play personnel at mouth of the wormhole because it's not really exploitable. I like the Ferengi flavor of it, but Neil, that's a huge rules baggage. I mean, there is no rule to cover playing a personnel somewhere other than a headquarters. It's a space mission, and there are two cards that say they can play there, but you can't just play okay. somebody floating in space. They put a note in there saying that their concern was they didn't want DS9 and Terak Nor to be able to abuse it. Well, the Ferengi that can report to DS9 and the Ferengi that report can Terak Nor don't have four acquisition. So sure. they weren't going to be able to abuse it anyway. And making it mouth of the wormhole... Opens up a ton of rules baggage. They could have just called that Ferengi conference and had some never heard of the system and then used that that quote that they had, which is a good one from the first episode that we see the Negasin. Dumping all the acquisition on there for Ferengi specifically, yes, good idea. Thinking about future uh, expansions and uh, what they could do to mission requirements, uh, there, there's a reason that a lot of the missions have, you know, three, four, five different skills on them. The one other thing I want to talk about on the Cardassian teams is their Mind Dilithium mission, where they chose to support the TOS crew. Personally, don't believe that TOS in any flavor 
belong on a six worst affiliation list. Having played a few DOS decks, I'm not opposed to listing them among the six least powerful affiliations. Mainly, I mean, they did get a lot of help in Allegiance with the new uh, Forecast guys. But do I think they're among the most powerful? No. Do I think they're among the least powerful? Depends on who's playing, but they're definitely a thinking man's affiliation. Well, it, it's targeted as a TOS mission, but then they put the Starfleet icon on it, and they let you also download a Starf- an AU treachery personnel. What bothers me is a little bit is you grab NX prototype, throw it over there, damage it, download a Starfleet card, then redshirt the mission and download another one. And end up downloading a lot of stuff real quick. And I, I can tell you, Starfleet does not need to be faster. The other tech is a bouncing TOS guy even without some additional cost rather than just attempting a mission and there's no levels in it. That's so really, really good. And I would I, intend to just leave a personnel to attempt it so that I can keep bouncing McCoy or keep downloading treachery personnel or what have you. You may not get to use this more than once because they may see what you're up to and just go uninvited for a skeleton crew. Even then, that's wasting one of their uninvited's on something stupid when they could be saving it for something to stop you later. So, set up Metagenic Trap, their Kardashian entry. It is illustrating one of the problems that a lot of the teams have had, which is they're making missions that are really only going to help you after the point when you really need the help. The Kardashians, they're clearly trying to enable a capture deck. The problem with the capture deck is you want to get your captives early. You know, the cap- capture decks are slow. If I have to wait until I go out and solve a mission, especially a mission with Strength 36 and Cunning 36, by the time I've gotten this mission done against at least half the decks out there, they're going to have already solved two missions, and it's going to be too late for me to come get a bunch of captives and do stuff to you. Along the same lines, the subtext was to make a first mission for them that they're going to do that's going to help them early on. Or if it wasn't going to be their first mission to do, at least give it some kind of game text that would help them early in the game. This doesn't help early in the game. <laughs> if, we're, if we're going to stick with the current methodology of space first and then planet second, this is going to be your second mission and it's not going to be worth it. Does it help parties? Yes. Does it help them early enough? Probably not. While it is a solid mission, uh, I don't think it really helps parties that much. I didn't see any of the teams talking about that sort of temporal relationship about whether this is my first mission or my second mission or my third mission. Nobody ever really talked about that. And this is clearly not a mission that's going to help you early. This is a mission that you want to do early, but as a planet mission and as being so hard, it's going to be tough to do. Having mid-game abilities on missions does not help weaker affiliations, in my opinion. I actually like their Maquis mission. The The Cardassians are the only ones that did a Maquis mission. I think this one's pretty clever. Which is really surprising to me, because for my money, Maquis needs the most help out of most of the affiliations. The uh, DMZ, I, I love the fact that it's DMZ. Um, the ability itself, while useful, it runs into the same problem we were talking about before. It's a mid-game ability on a planet mission, which means you're probably going to do it second, and by that point, the personnel that you're trying to get to gain Maquis has been sitting in your hand for most of the game, and while I like the idea, I'm not uh, real pleased with the execution of it. Well, yeah, but remember that the Maquis are a lot of Federation personnel, too, so when I've run a Maquis deck, I've always thrown a, a rogue Kirk in there 
just in case someone throws a secret identity at me. They'll pull out someone and, ah, ah, he takes his mask off, and next, James T. Kirk, ah! Fits very well with that, with that strategy where Kirk's floating in your deck to get secret IDs, or, well, if we do this mission, maybe we'll just play him ourselves. The, the, I like it, but I don't. The reason I don't is because they already have a card that does this, and it does it better. So he already gives all your Federation people the Maquis icon. Now, they have to be in play already, so it doesn't let you play one. But there's lots of ways around that. Yeah, there are ways around that. But, I mean, I do like it, but I, it, it pretty I, much, the ability pretty much says when you complete this Mersion personnel, you may play James T. Kirk, he gains the Maquis icon. You know, it, pretty that's pretty much, much I, I mean, he's the only I, Federation personnel you'd ever bother to go get with it. I think, I mean, I, I would have, I would have rather just had this been, when you complete this mission, download a fed personnel and put it in Atlas 4. Just, just, you know, sure. make it, 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 it's, a, I mean, make it a lot it, easier to deal with. It's, it's a little less text. You don't deal with having to keep it in your hand all the time so you can recycle it with optimism or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I, I like the idea, uh, just the execution. One one minor issue with it is that they're they really just handed the Bajorans another super easy integrity mission to do. Not that they needed another one, but And it has anthropology and diplomacy and honor and it's just like that's pretty much all the integrity people have Bajorans. Alright, let's switch focus to the other battle and talk about the Klingon team versus the Romulan team. And we'll start by taking a look at the Klingon cards. Well, I enjoy seeing Kronos as a mission, although I think that's going to have just as much baggage with the, just like the other two teams trying to make mouth of the Wormhole a mission. And I really did enjoy the, the Tarek Nor Dissidents mission. That seems like a lot of fun. Compared to week one, I think the Klingons have probably improved the most over the week looking at their um, initial thoughts, the development process, and what they finally ended up with and presented as their submissions. By far, much, much better than the first week. Still a few problems here and there, but overall, um, yeah, really enjoyed most of them. A couple of really, really neat ideas in the Klingon stuff. So. Their Tarknor entry, Smuggle Message, is my favorite card of the entire competition to date. I think this is the first card that we've seen that I, as an assistant game designer, want to steal and go put into the next expansion. I love this idea. When your opponent is about to discard the top card of their deck, and if this mission is incomplete, they may place the top card of their dilemma pile beneath this mission to prevent that. Yeah, that's a fantastic ability. It's really a poker game at that point, trying to figure out your opponent, which, which one he wants you to do so that you can do the opposite. It clearly can't take the glass of wine in front of you. Nice Princess Bride <laughs> reference. <laughs> I like the fact that you have to have, um, well, again, I, I think this might be brushing a little um, protocol on calling out a uh, specific affiliation for mission requirements. The Cunning 35 is going to be a little tough, but the fact that this is a space mission makes it an early help, which I like. The ability, while I, I am, uh, I'm equally as excited about it as you, Charlie. Um, I think it needs to, it needs to be a little more 
fleshed out. Uh, maybe the opponent gets to look at the card before they decide if they want to do a, a dilemma. I think the trigger is a little weak. I think what you said is a good idea, where you get to see it before you do it. You know, that would be difficult to word, but I, I love the idea of, I'm going to give you a free dilemma to stop you from doing something I don't want you to do. That That is a brilliant idea, and I, I really hope that Brad agrees and that that's something that we can see in, in the game in the future. That's just a really cool ability. It just seems like the cost-benefit ratio is a little bit out of whack. Is, does it help Tarek Nord? Yes. Uh, so, yeah, definitely got the gist of the uh, the challenge for a good card for it. Well, the, the other mission that jumps out at me is the Test Warp 5 engines, the Enterprise mission. It seems to fit right in with the Enterprise faction, with them wanting to do a space mission first, and it, it just seems to be a, a bunch of grease to make the Enterprise crew go a little bit faster. The only thing that I'd like to see on this mission is I'd like to see some other affiliations on the bottom. This is not necessarily a bad mission. It's just if you're Enterprise and if this is your first mission, it's it's a better mission. That's that tends to that that pretty much echoes my sentiments. Um, if if it had been something like test propulsion systems, make it everybody can try to get there from board with those bits requirements, and then say Starfleet gets these easier requirements because they're trying to kill themselves to get there. I like the idea that Starfleet kills themselves to get out to space first and so they should be able to do their first mission or they should have a more of a character to get into their first mission. One of the other cards that the Klanons did from episode that's near near to my heart is uh, their Bajoran entry for Traveler Cardassia. Um, Explorers from season three DS9, one of my absolute favorites any of any Star Trek. Even though CNG is by baby, DS9, that was one of the really early ones on that uh, really hit home with me. Great story. The ability on it, while it is brief, flies in the face of the Cardassian stuff, especially for Ducat, from Greece to Ducat, because all of a sudden, eh, yeah, you're useless now. What it also does, um, it disables the Bajorans from being able to use stuff like Covenant and Dark Secrets, and Bajoran Gravity Festival. So while it takes a few of their bullets out of their gun, it totally wastes any of the Ducat nonsense that you'll see, which is great because that's exactly what happened at the end of the episode. Well, and also, when, when you look at the, the Bajoran cards, generally the Pyrrhate cards, or excuse me, the, the, the Prophet cards put cards into the discard pile, and the Pyrrhate cards remove cards from the game. It takes away the Pyrrhate abilities, but that's okay because it also stops your opponent from, from wrecking your, your own world. But it's definitely a very well-worded mission and would, would be a, a boost to uh, the Bajorans for being able to work in and out of the discard pile. It was definitely one of, the, one of the entries that made me smile when I read it and started thinking about well, what does that mean for how a game develops if you're going to use this card. Great title. I like the fact that it's not Cardassian region because they're on the way there. Uh, it's still three span, which you know, and, and the point value is not really that sexy. But just that ability, I really, really like it all the way around. If you couldn't tell. All right. On the other side of the table, we have the Romulan team, and they submitted the most missions of anybody. They put in nine different missions. Well, I'd say they submitted six different missions, and three of them were kind of related to one of the six. Of their submissions, their cycle of four missions for Deep Space Nine really stood out the most to me. 
The main problem with giving uh, D Space Nine that much strength, D Space Nine are the, are the kings of skill adding. They've got confessions of the pillow, they've got discreet inquiry, they've got all sorts of different ways to get skills. By putting the, that kind of a non-nullifiable event on all your missions, I mean, granted they're only worth 30 points each, but with enough cheaters, you could manufacture science yes. on everybody. And all yes. of a sudden, everybody's not stoppable. All of a sudden, everybody has security. Then you throw a planet stopper and just nothing happens. Exactly. And the other thing that sticks out, they're all Gamma Quadrant missions. And while appropriate for the stories that they chose, you stick a couple distant explorations in your deck and you're done. You, you've got your 35 explorations and you're, and you're good to go. So. While the, the appeal is evident, why why you'd want to put that on a mission? If if you're going to have something like that, either the points have to be way lower or the attributes have to be way higher. But these are just I'm I'm not a fan of how this was executed on uh, on these on these particular um, missions. Don't forget that Deep Space Nine has the best ship and captain combo for Captain Vlog, and the two of them are space missions, and you can make it so that deep you know, I take everybody, I take all my captains and then three or four engineer or science people, and it's like, great, nobody can be randomly selected and nobody can be stopped. Suck it. Yeah. You know? So, now, so not, not only can you not randomly select them, if you do get something like a uh, distraction to go off, oh, I can't be stopped. Uh-huh. Now, of course, that does backfire with all of the one-cost stop X or X, and if you can't, someone well, yeah. dies. So well, right, uh, but we're still we're t we're talking about like a gumshoe shockwave, or you go over to space and you encounter a gumshoe shockwave, or or worse, a personal duty gumshoe shockwave. So you randomly select all but one of your leadership personnel to be stopped. Well, you throw a couple cheaters in, and now those people can't be stopped because they all have the necessary skill, medical or science. And then you encounter your gumshoe shockwave, which stops everyone except for everybody who has science. So not only do you break through personal duty, you break through gumshoe shockwave and complete the mission. The other objectionable part of these is that they call out planet and space dilemmas. The design philosophy uh, as up to this point has been to encourage planet and space dilemmas and to discourage duels, either by giving dual dilemmas higher costs or discounting planet and space dilemmas such as Conscience of the King. But anyway, the, the, the point is, by uh, discouraging planet and space dilemmas, if, the, if this had been cannot be stopped by dual dilemmas, I think I would have been a, at least a little bit happier. It still would be too, too strong, I think. Either, yeah, a little, a little more uh, thoughtfulness on either attaching a cost to being, to being able to dodge a stop or lowering the, lowering the point value or raising the attribute requirement because it's just way, 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 way too strong right now. I do like the concept they have for the Romulan mission to stop an intelligence, intelligence personnel to examine the top two cards of an opponent's domicile. That's a neat mechanic. I will agree with you that it is a neat, it's a neat mechanic. However, it doesn't really help the Romulans, at least not early on. You have to complete the mission to get the thing, to get the bonus. And by the time the Romulans actually have enough to complete a mission, if they're playing a speed deck, a good speed deck, the other guy's got, you know, a couple missions done and he's working on his third. So 
while and it, it is it, it doesn't do anything to the opponent's deck, it does something to their dilemma pile, which is not usually what Romulans do. They usually mess with the deck, mess with the opponent's deck, disrupt the the, the events from coming out, do something weird with the personnel, they capture them, they do something. It's not outside their flavor. It's just different yeah. than they've done. It looks to be a powerful ability, but it looks like you'd only use the ability once or twice a game. Especially on the turn that you complete this mission. If you complete it with six personnel aboard and you're out of range, well, you might as well just stop a couple guys and look at what you're facing next turn. So you're not going to get back to this mission, because it is span three for Romulan. You're not going to get back to it until several turns later when you have a second ship that you can literally just throw away and fly over and let sit there and stop a personnel. It also seems unnecessarily strong on the requirements. If we're really intending for this to be a helper for Romulans, it's cunning 35. For Romulans early on, they're going to have to either have a power shift to be able to get past that, or somebody like Data, or they're going to have to really work to get 36 early on for it to be of, of much use. The Romulan team came out with my favorite card out of this challenge. By, well, I shouldn't say by far, because there were definitely several other missions that I really loved, but this one was my favorite. Their Ferengi mission. It was dead on, it nailed it, and the benefit of completing the mission was commensurate with their abilities, it actually helped them out, it called out the fact that you needed Frankenard to be able to do it, and it was actually good. And it wasn't over-the-top powerful, it has to come out of your hand, then you get to draw cards, but then you put stuff underneath, so you're not recurring stuff that's already in play, great. More like that. I do want to share a little bit of a behind-the-scenes story for you. Um, Brad considers the the season finale of Enterprise, these are the voyages, to be apocryphal. He <laughs> he despises that mission and has sworn up and down that he will never make a card from that mission. So I thought it was uh, humorous that the Romulans picked that particular mission as their Starfleet entry. The card on its own is actually pretty cool. I like it. Um, unstopping all your your Makos is, is neat. They messed up a little bit because they didn't say you can unstop each of your stopped Makos. It's cool. I like it because it would encourage a, a Mako deck. But <laughs> the fact that they chose these are the voyages, which is the the one. Even I think even Brad made a comment on the judge forum saying somebody made an episode from a non-canon or made a card from a non-canon episode. It's not going to penalize them, but I just wanted to share that story in the future. And if you want to get brownie points from Brad, don't make any more cards from these are the voyages. So. No Starfleet William T. Rikers, guys. Oh, oh. Make, you make uh, Dave, Dave Cook really sad about that. So we've taken a look at all four teams' entries. What's the big picture? Um, I think what's going to make or break teams on this one was their attention to detail, whereas dilemmas are a little more... Um, they have a very specific role in the game, and there's very specific things that they can and cannot do. Missions, on the other hand, are much more... Uh, they have much freer reign when it comes to abilities uh, and their 
impact on a game depending on their, their span, affiliations that can try it. So getting the details right on those kinds of cards um, really speaks to the fact that the teams know what know or don't know what they're doing when it comes to uh, taking into account all the possibilities for uh, for two. I actually really enjoyed all of the reading all of the cards from uh, this, this challenge. I thought the card quality was was markedly higher in the four teams uh, submissions this go around than it was in the last one. I I think it's just because teams seem to be getting into it and people seem to be getting excited about it and they're having a lot more fun building these cards. And there's a lot of these cards that just really turned out nicely and were comfortable and a lot of fun to read. And I'm excited for this whole competition, and I think a lot of people seem to be having a lot of fun with it, and I think we're just having a blast. Yeah, I think the fact that they had more time to work on these really came through. More time to work on it and less cards really improved the quality of the submissions. So kudos to everybody in the community for suggesting that. I think that was a good move. I really think that, Matt, you have a hard job ahead of you, having to go through all these cards, you know, word by word, line by line, and trying to pick a winner. Uh, I wish you the best of luck, you and uh, all the other judges. Thanks for coming by the podcast. And uh, Yeah, thanks a lot, Matt. It was a lot of fun talking to you over the last two weeks about the cards. I was glad to have been seen or heard. <laughs> all right, everybody, don't forget to go to our website, www.trekcc.org slash so to find the entries on the official forum. You can read comments, make your own comments, and then you can head back and vote on your favorites. Voting closes Monday morning at 8 a.m. when we will post the feedback and the results, and from then on we will unfortunately have to say goodbye to two more of our contestants, but we will also be back next week with challenge number three like to extend a special thanks to Matt Kirk, our guest judge and guest on the podcast today. My name is Charlie Plain. And I'm Neil Timmons. And in the immortal words of Captain Picard, make it so. Attribution non commercial share alike license. For more information, visit www.creativecommons.org. Make it so. The search for the next assistant game designer is brought to you by the Continuing Committee, home of the first and second edition Star Trek CCG. For more information, please visit www.trekcc.org. www.trekcc.org.